0: welcome to the relationship help show your time with dr roberta shaler the relationship help doctor through the magic of the internet dr shaler provides urgent and ongoing care for relationships in crisis to people throughout the world and she's here for you now Whether you are experiencing a momentary blow-up or the crazy-making of life with a partner, ex, child, or parent who is relentlessly difficult, you'll get your questions answered and enjoy her expert guests. Settle in with Dr. Roberta Shaler now. Leave the drama behind and find peace of mind on today's Relationship Help Show. Here's Dr. Shaler.
1: Hello and welcome to the Relationship Help Show Handling Hijackal Havoc. I'm Dr. Roberta Shaler as you know and today we have a show that is all about how to spot a hijackal and how to stop the toxic dance. We're often talking about these things today. I'm going to talk about them very specifically because if these are new topics to you, you need to have some guidelines. So today I'm going to talk about a big issue which is how to recognize verbal abuse right now, if it's happening, because you may have been experiencing it so long that you no longer think about it as abuse and you need to recognize what's really going on and to know how to stop putting up with it. But first of all, you have to recognize it for what it is. So I'm going to talk to you about that. Then I'm going to give you 12 signs that you are in a love-hate relationship and that you need help because it's really hard to get out of these things without help. It's really hard to even see them unless somebody holds up the template for you and asks you questions. So I'm going to do a little bit of that today. I'm also going to start by talking about love bombing. I know that sounds wonderful, but it is definitely not as desirable as it sounds. Love bombing is something that very, very difficult, toxic people will do to you in order to engage you, to get you interested in them, to have you commit to them. And you need to know what love bombing looks like and sounds like and what it's used for and why you need to be on top of it. Because as I said, it is not as desirable as it sounds. Now, if you have love bombing and you've been with the person for the last 10 years and it's been nothing but delightful love bombing. You're golden. But if it's something that comes and goes every time you get angry, you threaten to leave, and then you get love bombed again, something is definitely not working in your relationship. So how to spot a hijackle and stop the toxic dance? Things about love bombing, things about verbal abuse, the 12 signs you're in a love-hate relationship. I'm going to end up today with a segment answering a reader's question. The question, my mother's always finding fault with me, my life, my relationship, my husband, my kids, my career. It's always been like this. I put up with it, done my best to avoid her, and I can't stand another moment. What can I do? So I'm going to give you some ideas about that and how you need to take your best next steps, not only for the person who wrote that question from my Facebook group, Optimize Life, but from anybody's perspective who might be saying, I can't stand that person who's been in my life for a long time for another minute. I won't put up with it. So there's some things that you need to know. You want to know more and you want more uh, instruction and insight right away. Go to my YouTube channel, youtube.com slash forrelationshiphelp. Go to my website forrelationshiphelp.com and get it now. Start on that journey. Start recognizing what's happening and stay tuned for a great show. Talk soon. Hello, this is Dr. Roberta Shaler. Are these stories and questions on today's show sounding familiar to you? Are you ready to say no more to the abuse from toxic people in your life? I'm so glad you matter and you deserve to have real love, true love in your life. Love from yourself and love from others. Not that demeaning, discounting, and dismissive masquerade that a hijackal pretends is love. I can help you regain yourself, your self-esteem, your self-confidence after a life with a hijackal. Whether it was your partner, an ex, a parent, or a child. Let's work together now for individual sessions or small group coaching Visit forrelationshiphelp. dot slash join. Talk soon. Love bombing, it sounds so great. It sounds like something you'd really want to have happen. That you just like to have love bombs exploding all around you and make you feel so celebrated and so excited. And that's the whole purpose. That's why difficult, toxic, and disturbing people engage in love bombing to just catch you off guard and make you feel so center of attention and so celebrated. And so I want to talk to you about love bombing because it's not as desirable as it sounds. And it's something that you really have to learn to recognize. Now, if you haven't been in a relationship for a while and someone comes along and they say, Oh, where have you been all my life? This is so wonderful. You're just the person I've been waiting for. Let's get married. I love you already. You may be hungry to hear those words. You know, back in the beginning of the chatroom days, I'm talking the late nineteen nineties, what I noticed in there was that people seemed to have a hunger for using terms of endearment. This is long before there was video chatting or anything at all or dating sites, but it was it was chat rooms, and people would just go in there and chat, and that's how they'd meet one another and It really struck me when I checked them out for my clients and for myself too at the time I was single. And I thought, wow, this is quite amazing. Like they hardly know each other. Then they go and they have a little private chat and they come back into the room and they're calling each other dear and honey and all of this. Such a longing to be in a partnership, to have some identification as being part of a couple. So somebody sees that you are looking for love and they happen to be a hijackal and they see you as a target for their love bombing and it's not as great as it sounds as I said because there are a lot of people who have done some love bombing there are people like uh, oh maybe people you've heard of like David Koresh in Waco Texas or Jim Jones in Africa or even Charlie Manson these people were love bombers They would con their followers into doing anything that they said. They would build them up. They would get them to follow them. They would tell them to love everybody and particularly them. And then there are other people who use love bombing like pimps and gang leaders to get you to join them, to be part of what they're doing. And they they tell you they're just, you're just who they've been looking for and they want you there. And you know, it's not all bad. Of course not. You want to be wanted. You want to be loved. You want to be liked. You want to be noticed. Someone comes along and does all that. It may seem like a bit of a bum's rush, but wow, you've been waiting for it. You're thirsty for it. And so you're hungry for it. And it seems like a great idea, but it's not such a great idea. It's too fast. You know, think about the way that you made a friendship with your best friend You didn't one day not know them and then a week later they want to be your very best friend forever and ever and ever tell me everything. No, it it grew over time as you began to trust each other and learn about each other and you went slowly. And that's the building block of a good relationship is that it builds over time. It's not this huge love bomb drop and then see what happens. So, Basically, what love bombing is, is an attempt to influence another person, um, and and they do it with kind of over-the-top displays of affection and attention. Then, you know, the flowers and the trips and the texts every 15 minutes, I miss you, I love you, I can't live without you. Um, But it's all that long romantic conversations, holding each other's gaze, talking about the future, engaging each other in the picture of what it could all be like. And it's that combination that really starts to get you drawn in. In fact, we have a word for that if you're with a hijackle, to be hoovered in. It's like you're been vacuumed up and, and hoovered in. And... In these days, when we've got 24-7 access to each other, we have a whole other thing going on. So love bombing comes at you, not just by the telephone or a sweet note or flowers, but text and social media and on and on and on. And it's not going well. You know, it's not going well if you happen to be with a hijacker sure we want to feel good we want to feel good about who we are and we can't fill that need on our own alone so somebody comes into our life and they make us feel good and they tell us they like us and approval and affection and attention all great things but that love bomber is doing it for a couple of reasons first of all she or he wants to get you you know, it's a big gotcha. And the other thing is that that love bomber is somewhat insecure. So to boost their ego, they've got to go after um, a great catch. And so they they go after somebody that they believe is is somebody that they would get some brownie points for absolutely getting to love them. And so this is what's going on in the love bombing. So you can see why it's not as great as it sounds and not as desirable as it sounds. And we, being chemical beings... We get this big dopamine rush when the new romance is there, and it—oh, wow! It's so great. We want to keep that feeling. We want to be in that hormone haze, as I call it. And then this person is saying, oh, "Let's get married. Let's move in. Let's get, let's have a baby." And you go from the hormone haze, and maybe you you have a wedding, so you go through the wedding days. And then beyond that, you've just got a horrible phase that you've got to figure things out. But this whole rush, rush, rush is a key to what goes on with people who are love bombing you. And it's not to say that the, all that attention and that that beginning desirability and rush and everything is not a good thing. it's a wonderful thing, but where it differs is whether or not it sustains. Will it still be like this a year from now, two years from now, or will things have started to creep in? Will there be less attention? will be there less contact will be the, a little more A few more complaints, a few more criticisms, a few more putting you down. And, you know, basically that's going to happen if you're with a hijackal because they got you. And when they have you, then they don't need to pretend anymore. They don't need to give you all their attention. They can go back to giving themselves all their attention. And you will see that if there is this abrupt shift in the type of attention it goes from being affectionate and loving to controlling and anger, and maybe with a few unreasonable demands, that's when I hope that you see those red flags, that you take off your rose-colored glasses and you see those red flags. Now, you may already have been love-bombed, you may already be in a relationship with a hijackal, and when you decide that you don't want to be in that relationship anymore. And you tell the hijackal, watch out. Because first of all, they'll get angry. But if they don't have someone waiting in the wings, they are going to love bomb you again to try and hoover you back in. And this reinforcement just keeps happening. Like, draw closer, drop closer, come closer, come closer, stay away. You know, it's a very, very insidious prospect for a relationship, and it goes nowhere good. So I wanted to draw attention to love bombing because there are phases to this, and you may have heard these terms before, but the ideolation of Idealization phase is the love bombing. You are my ideal partner. You are the perfect person I've waited my entire life for. They say all the right things to say to let you know that you are their soulmate. It's almost as though they can read your mind, read your soul and show up exactly that way. So the love bombing, the idealization phase goes on. Then they start to devalue you. The devaluation phase they put you down, they nitpick, they criticize, they complain, they show less interest, they spend less time, and they start to devalue you and the relationship. And then somebody decides to end the relationship. That may be you because you don't like this anymore, or it may be them because they hope that they will then get you to do exactly what you want to do. And that's what we call the discard phase. And so that is a cycle that repeats. Idealization, devaluation, discard, and repeat. Not great. And you must be looking out for these things. So if you're hearing things early on in a relationship, or you think back and you remember, oh my, that was a red flag. You know that, wow, you're so perfect. You deserve the best of everything. I'm going to spend my life giving it to you. And then within six months... They can hardly come home for dinner. (laughs) You've been love-bombed. You have been love-bombed. And it may be time to go no contact. It may be time to reach out and connect with your friends and family again because a hijacker will try and keep you away from other people. They want to be the person who defines you. They want to be that person who tells you if you're good enough or not. And just remember, I'll probably talk about love bombing many times, but in this segment, I just want you to really understand what it is. Understand that love bombing, when it is used to get you, but not used as the actual normal phase that you are the exact right person for me, that love bombing to get you, to hoover you in, to suck you in is abuse. And you really need to remember that. So it's very important that if you have been love-bombed, you recognize it. If you haven't been love-bombed, that you recognize it so you won't be. And if you are concerned about leaving your relationship, know that you will probably be love-bombed again because the other person can't bear to not win and can't bear to lose you. So a few words about love bombing, you want more about life with hijackals, go to hijackals.com or my main website forrelationshiphelp.com and visit us on YouTube, com slash forrelationshiphelp. Talk soon. Life as a couple can be exciting and enriching. You both feel supported, known, heard, and appreciated. You know you're safe. Is that what you're experiencing? Does your partner have your back? Can you be vulnerable safely? Do you trust each other fully? Would you say you are emotionally intimate? If not, things can get much better. I'm Dr. Roberta Shaler, and I work with couples just like you all over the world by video conferencing. If you want a world-class relationship, learn how now. Visit forrelationshiphelp.com join and schedule a time to work together. Let's talk soon. fourrelationshiphelpcom join. It's really important to know if you're with a hijackal. And yes, of course, you can go and get my free ebook at hijackles.com called How to Spot a Hijackal. But today I wanted to give you twelve signs. Twelve signs that you're in relationship that is a love hate relationship and you need help. Because we tend to put up with things for too long. We justify them. We rationalize them. We make excuses for them. And we take a lot on ourselves too. And rightly so, of course, we should think about our part in everything first. But often we are taking on way too much. So today I want to give you 12 signs that you are in that love-hate relationship. That push-and-pull relationship that really indicate that you need help. So maybe when you met him, he seemed confident and charming and challenging and therefore really intriguing. But now he just seems like a jerk. Or maybe when you met her, she seemed mysterious, delightfully unpredictable, and she kept you guessing in an intriguing way. Now she just seems like an alien these love hate relationships seem funny, even romantic, on, only in the movies. <laughs> but in real life, they'll wreak havoc on your health and your happiness. And once you're seriously involved with a relentlessly difficult person, a hijackal, you'll find yourself second guessing yourself all the time. And you'll be questioning your sanity, just trying to solve daily issues with your partner. And it's important to know that because of their early life situations, and maybe yours too, it's not that your partner won't play nicely with you. He or she can't. And you can't make him or her play nicely either. And you can't fix them. Yes, it's endlessly frustrating. You bend. You're considerate. You overextend. You make excuses. You give them space. You support. You give in. You don't expect too much. But nothing makes a difference. It's infuriating. And the happy relationship you hoped for or longed for soon feels miserable and sometimes even hopeless. There's even a mother goose rhyme, a nursery rhyme that captured the essence of the problem. There was a little girl who had a little curl right in the middle of her forehead. When she was good, she was very, very good. But when she was bad, she was horrid. Girl or boy, the issue is the same. You fall in love with them when they are being very, very good and question your judgment when they are horrid. At least I hope you're questioning your judgment. And the longer you're with them, The more horrid seems to show up, making you forget the very, very good part. Or you get hooked on hope, hoping that the very, very good parts are going to return just around the corner if only you make yourself into a pretzel. And twisting yourself up like a pretzel to conform to the twisted expectations of your partner is crazy making. You might have been so well-raised that you think that if only I were more patient, more nurturing, more kind and understanding, this crazy-making would stop. Or maybe you weren't well-raised at all. Maybe you were raised by a hijackle and you turned yourself into that pretzel and thought that it was all your fault. So you look to yourself as the first source of the problem. That's always a great start. But in this case, when you're with a hijackle. It's time to stop that. You need to look squarely at these 12 traits I'm going to give you and see how many your partner has. Then you'll know why you may need more information and stronger skills to make your relationship move in healthier directions. So what do these chronically difficult, relentlessly difficult, disturbing and toxic people do? These people I call hijackals. And remember, I call them hijackals because they will hijack your relationship and all for their own purposes. And then they'll just keep scavenging your relationship for more and more power and status and control. So here are the 12 things I want you to think about. If you have any of them, you need to really give your head a shake. So number one, they make you question if you can trust them. Whoa. Okay. You want to trust people. I mean, obviously, that's the best way to be in a relationship, but they make you question if you can trust them. You want to believe you're safe with them, but all too often you find that there are cracks in the foundation and you really question whether your trust is misplaced. They go so far as to make you feel like a bad person for not trusting them, but you know you can't. Number two communication with them is vague at best. You just can't seem to ever permanently pin them down or pin them down to something. Everything is always in flux. Decisions you think you made together all of a sudden get changed or negated or twisted, and that leaves you twisting in the wind. Number three They have no real interest in stopping the conflicts you have. In fact, they seem bound and determined to keep them going. And you're right. These people thrive on conflict. They create conflict and they want to keep things in a state of chaos. Number four, they really won't let you get close to them emotionally. As soon as you get too close, by their definition... They do something to break the connection. Yet strangely, they'll tell you that you're the one who is emotionally distant. Does that sound familiar to you? Number five, they make it feel unsafe to talk about difficult issues and to disclose any vulnerabilities. People in committed relationships rightfully expect to get closer and closer to their partners. But people with hijackle traits, they're frightened of closeness and all the time they express that they don't get enough of it. Go figure. They're shoving you away while they're making you wrong for going. Number six, they blame you for everything. It's always your fault. And you know, I've said that before. No matter what the situation, it will always come down to being your fault. It is never, never, never their fault. And if by chance you're not the one blamed, then it will be the weather, the family, the office, the government, the IRS, or God. Number seven, they avoid problem-solving conversations. And after a while, so do you. Why? Because everything ends up being your fault. So you finally give up. And way too often, if you're like most people who have been with a hijackle, whether that's your parent, your ex, or your current partner, you not only give up, you give in. Because it's exhausting trying to be rational with them. Number eight, they cannot, will not allow you to be right in any situation unless they really want something from you in the moment. The way their minds work is that if they allowed you to be right, that would automatically make them wrong. (laughs) That's not going to happen. So even in the smallest detail or fact or insight, they will sort of at a minimum discount your opinion or your view or the remotest possibility that you could be right. And they have to have the last word. You've noticed that, right? They have to have the last word. Number nine, they act on assumptions and presumptions about your ideas, your feelings, your motives, your needs. They don't ask you directly. This is most disconcerting because they honestly believe and they need to believe That they know you better than, sooner than, and in more depth than you know yourself. And they'll say so. They'll tell you. You don't even know what you want. I know you. And of course, they have to do this because they're always right. So you're always wrong. And there you have it again. So number 10. This is big. They act on feelings, not facts. Let me say it again. They act on feelings, not on facts. This is a major trait that leads to the crazy making. Just because they feel something, they think it constitutes a fact. The way it is for you and everyone else, we call that emotional fact. It's not a fact, but because they think or feel something, they make it into a fact. It's like that old statement, a sweater is something a mother puts on her child when the mother is cold. Well, whether or not the child is cold has nothing to do with it. The mother feels cold, therefore it's cold. Therefore, the child needs a sweater. It has nothing to do with facts, only feelings. And for that high-conflict partner or parent, those feelings are facts. Number 11. Hijackals will refuse and are likely incapable of self-reflection. So they don't engage. They don't think about their behaviors because that would demand too much of them. And they don't want to know that there's any possibility that they are not right. So when you're so busy making assumptions about your partner and knowing that your partner is always wrong, why bother being introspective or self-reflective? Also, self-reflection, well, that's for courageous people who are not afraid of life. The people that we're talking about, the hijackals here, the difficult and toxic and disturbing people in life, are terrified by the idea of looking inward. And number 12, they operate from fear all the time. That's why every disagreement is a possible and potential war. You know this one. I know you do. They're too fearful to have a conversation they can't control. And that's why nothing is ever their fault. They're petrified that if it were a possibility, they would be shattered. So if these traits set off alarm bells for you, don't panic. When your partner has these traits, you will either argue a lot or one of you will shut down or withhold or dish out the silent treatment. That strategy doesn't work. You know that. If you love your partner or your parent and you want the relationship to work, you'll need some expert help to shift your thinking, to move away from blame and establish some new patterns. Unfortunately, you'll have to be the one who changes first and and that's the only way you'll find out if it's possible. But I'm not advocating for a moment that you start behaving the way they do or doing what they want. Partners with these traits are living in fear and fighting for their lives, and these very real fears play out in repeated patterns, and even an argument about where to have to dinner is a must-win situation for them. They develop these traits because early in their lives, they needed them to survive, and they needed them for defense mechanisms. That's why they can't play nicely. It's not that they won't. It's not just that they won't. They can't. So if you're in a committed relationship with a hijackal, a relentlessly difficult person who has the traits that I've been talking about today, don't despair. I've helped many clients move from pain to possibility, even though their partners didn't do much changing. But when you do the work, you will find out what is really okay with you. You'll find out what's possible in the relationship and you'll be better for it and you'll understand yourself and relationship dynamics in new ways. Crazy-making behaviors may still persist, but you can put an end to second-guessing yourself and questioning your your sanity. And that's really important. And that's why I really want to invite you to work with me. Most people do not understand hijackles. so when you go to another professional they will not understand these dynamics and that can end up with you being rewounded. so make sure that that you think about getting good help from somebody who's been there done that and has has the life story and the professional experience and expertise to help you because these crazy making behaviors as i said may still persist but we need to put an end to you second guessing yourself and questioning your sad- sanity Because underneath, your hijackal still is confident and charming. She still is mysterious and delightful. But you need help because you can't do it on your own. And divorce is not the only answer. But it may be. And you need help to figure that out. So... Hi, this is Dr. Roberta Shaler. Handling hijackles is exhausting. It's never-ending. An endless cycle of crazy-making, alienation, and constant drama. And cycles are difficult to step out of. I know, because I've been there too. And that's why I reach out to you to offer the insight, skills, and strategies you need to heal. My small group programs, Handling Hijackles and Hijackle Recovery and Rediscovery, will shortcut your journey to healing to save your sanity, and to stopping the crazy-making. Visit forrelationshiphelp.com slash join now, and let's talk soon. Verbal abuse. Did it happen to you? This is Dr. Roberta Shaler, the Relationship Help Doctor, and many people have been verbally abused when they were children. That might be you. Think about it. Were you put down? Were you demeaned? Were you degraded? Were you neglected? Were you told that you were worthless? Verbal abuse is far more common than anyone would like to think, and uh, it's really important to know whether you were verbally abused, because then at deep levels, subconscious levels, you will put up with it a little more until you become aware and conscious that that's what's going on. So I want to talk with you today about verbal abuse, and because you need to be able to recognize it. And there's a fine line between someone being strict and someone being verbally abusive. It's a fine one for some people and for other people, there's absolutely no question that it's verbal abuse, but you really need to understand that about yourself. And verbal abuse gets built into us, as I said, somehow it begins to seem normal. If that's all you've ever heard since you were small, or you've heard your siblings being abused, or you've heard your parents verbally abusing and emotionally abusing one another, somehow we just normalize that and we begin to tolerate it from our partners and our parents and our co-workers. And worse still internalizing that you are probably verbally abusing yourself you've taken on those words and turned them into your inner dialogue and now when you think someone else is being verbally abusive to you your immediate thought is oh well you know maybe I deserve it maybe I'm not good enough maybe I don't do things very well and you find it acceptable and I want to change that for you today really want you to wake up and listen to what is actually being said to another human being, or what has been said to you, which surely should not have been. So when you've been verbally abused, a few things happen. You may repeat the abuse, either to somebody else or to yourself, as I said, or you may live in fear, and then you'll become a people pleaser, taking whatever other people hand out to you, thinking that's what you deserve. And sometimes when you really come to recognize this, and I hope that moment is right now, you'll get some help to become your own person, living your own values and vision for your life and take back your life. Do not allow anyone to verbally or emotionally abuse you. We'll talk about emotional abuse on another segment, but let's just get back to verbal abuse. If you've gotten used to it, you may not even hear it anymore. So let's get that figured out and sorted. So all of those things, you repeat the abuse, you live in fear and become a people pleaser or maybe turn yourself into a pretzel, or you get some help and you get back on track and you discover who you are without all of that baggage. That's what I help my clients to do. I'd love to help you do it. If that interests you, go to forrelationshiphelp.com. But all of those things did not include being verbally abusive to yourself or anyone else, particularly not to your children. Being verbally abusive gives the abuser a sense of power over someone. You know that. It's been well defined. Um, I want to read you a little thing from the National Domestic Violence Hotline where they're talking about being verbally abused by a partner, but it applies to any relationship. And they said, Abuse is a repetitive pattern of behaviors to maintain power and control over an intimate partner. These are behaviors that physically harm, arouse fear, prevent a partner from doing what they wish, or force them to behave in ways they do not want. Abuse includes the use of physical and sexual violence, threats and intimidation, emotional abuse, and economic deprivation. Many of these different forms of abuse can be going on all at the same time. Wow, that's scary. I mean, did you really hear that? Physical harm, arousing fear, preventing a partner from doing what they want to do, forcing them to do things they don't want to do, threatening them with physical or sexual violence, intimidating them, and depriving them of the money that they need to live. That's just scary, and it's far more common than you think or you may want to think. My mother was both verbally and emotionally abusive. Did I know that when I was a kid? Yes, I didn't have a name for it. It just felt really bad. And I hated the way she constantly put me down and found daily things. Sometimes it seemed like minute to minute or hourly things to criticize. And one of her best moves was how often she told me she never wanted kids. (laughs) There's no question why I'm an only child, right? So even though it felt all wrong as a child, just like you... I was powerless to define another way of thinking about myself than what my mother was serving up. Because after all, you look to these giants in your life, your parents, to tell you who you are, to tell you how to be, to tell you when they love you, to tell you when you're not doing things right, to give you guidance. They're the only people there who are defining you when you're a child. And if you had a mother or father, like my mother, who was daily telling me that I was not worthwhile, that I was not what she wanted, that she didn't even want kids, I mean, come on, what would that do? Maybe that happened to you too. So where was my father in all this? No, he had that figured out. He was away from home as much as possible. He couldn't stand her either. Now, looking back, it's not surprising to me as an adult that he decided to become a commercial fisherman when I was very young. So he had an ironclad reason for being away six months of the year. Now, also not surprising, he had serious, serious health issues. And they would put him in the hospital every winter when he came back from fishing for at least three months of the year of his time at home. So he figured it out. Six months of fishing, three months of being sick. Where did he spend those other three months? In the pool room that was off limits to women. Don't know if you can imagine that these days, but there were pool rooms that were off limits to women. Another phase of abuse then in my young life was my father would not come home for dinner on time. And so the entire conversation in my home was just my mother berating my father, then getting angry, then saying she should leave him, then telling me that I had to go and get him. So she would drive me to the pool room and force me to go in and get him. Do you see that that's abuse? I hope so, because that's just not appropriate on any level. Women are not allowed in there. My mother wants what she wants, the consummate hijackle. She wants to win. Instead of just saying, let's eat dinner, your father obviously isn't coming home. No, she must win. She must get him home. And I have to be part of that whole plan. Now, you're not supposed to be female and go into that place, so... I am scared to death. I look in the windows. I hope to catch the eye of one of my father's friends. Eventually, I would have to open the door a little bit and then try to catch the eye. It was awful. So that is abuse too. So none of us are alone in this, although most of us have felt and may still feel very alone. The Center for Disease Control and Prevention's 2010 December edition of their Morbidity and Mortality Weekly Report. Don't you love that, where you find this stuff? But they said about a quarter, this is 2010, about a quarter of the more than 26,000 adults surveyed reported experiencing verbal abuse as children, and nearly 15% had been physically abused, and more than 12%, more than 1 in 10 people, had been sexually abused as a child. Almost one in five respondents, 19.4%, had lived as a child with someone who was depressed, mentally ill, or suicidal. Or, I would add, was a hijacker. So, because it becomes horribly normal, quote-unquote, to those who have experienced it, you don't see it. You may well see it in others, but you don't see it in yourself. You've kind of downplayed it. You've kind of dismissed it. You, Oh, well, no, it happened, but it was in the past. And you don't get the full impact of that. Now, I've written a lot of articles about this. So just put my name in Google and you'll find them. Roberta Schaler, R-H-O-B-E-R-T-A-S-H-A-L-E-R. Remember, R-H-O-B-E-R-T-A-S-H-A-L-E-R. Because if you had a hijackal mother or father, it affected the fabric of your being, and you really need to understand that. So it becomes this horribly normal situation that you're verbally abused, and. You may not actually get in touch with what happened to you, if ever, until you're trying to figure out what you can't find in a loving relationship, or why your relationship just isn't working, or why you've had several relationships and none of them actually worked. When the pain and loneliness, and and I really mean that loneliness part, because you can feel horribly lonely, if not the most lonely, while you're in a relationship. And when that pain and loneliness become too much, you really need to get help. That's when you uncover what you absorbed in your early life, unintentionally, definitely without your permission, but it has been silently sabotaging your relationship life. Now, when you get some help and get help from someone like me, who has experienced hijackals in their life, They're not, they're not, it's not book learning. It comes from deep within them and they've, they've done the work and figured it out and they can really help you because they can empathize with you. When you do that work, you can heal. You can stop feeling there's something wrong with you. You can give up blaming yourself. You can give up blaming your partner. You can find your own personal power. You can release yourself from the shackles of the past and finally feel freedom. And it can give you a new lease on life with your partner and your children. Not, of course, if you're with a hijackle, because now when you do that work, you're going to understand immediately why you attracted a hijackle in your life. And you need to change that too. So verbal abuse, whether it's safe for behind closed doors or or it's being screamed in the neighborhood of the supermarket, it definitely has a negative effect on everyone. And it's far too common. It can be keeping you from experiencing love and respect and safety in relationships. And that's way too high a price to pay. And it just keeps costing. It keeps taking its toll until you see it and you name it and you eradicate it from your daily life. You really deserve that. And I hope you will look at this. I hope you will take some quiet time and sit down and say, Wow, have I actually given myself the time to look at what happened to me? Because it's being reflected in what's happening now and how I feel about myself. Let me have a good look at that and maybe get myself some help. I'm always here to help. no matter what's happening right now, life can get better. If you have a good relationship, it can become great. If your relationship is in trouble, we can find a solution. The good news is that it's in your hands to start. The not so good news is that it takes time, new insights and skills, and a whole bunch of willingness. But who would settle for less? Not you, right? Good. You want to feel seen, heard, known, accepted, and appreciated. You want honesty, safety, trust, respect, and reliability, too. Read my book, Kaizen for Couples, available for download at couplesbook.com. Start there, and let's talk soon. question was asked the other day uh, from one of my Facebook groups. If you want to know more about my Facebook groups, you can go and see the closed one called Optimize Life. Um, and a question was asked, and here it is. My mother is always finding fault with me, with my life, my relationship, my husband, my kids, and my career. It's always been like this. I've put up with it and done my best to avoid her. I can't stand another conversation. (laughs) What can I do? Well, my goodness, it's obviously been going on for a long time. If you've had a life, a relationship, a husband, kids, and a career, and you're still putting up with it, um, so I'm really welcoming you to waking up to the fact that you deserve to have a different relationship with your mother. If she is always finding fault with you and you don't believe that that fault is actually (laughs) warranted in any way or warranted any more than it is in any normal relationship, then you may be onto something. Your mom may have a personality that is simply geared to finding fault, needing someone to blame or needing to win. You know, she has to be right. She's got to be in control. She has to be the one who knows. She's the one who makes the decision. She tells you who you are. Now, that's a big deal. Does that strike you at all? Does your mother try to tell you who you are? I, I had a mom like that, and my mom would say, Well, you're not that kind of a person. And I'll go, hey, I'm growing here. I'm changing. I'm trying things on. I'm working things out. How dare you tell me I'm not that kind of a person? So I was pretty much in her face most of my life. And uh, I didn't really know what was going on because, of course, I was a teenager. I was in in my early 20s. And I didn't understand And maybe you didn't either. So you just thought you got a difficult mom or a a mom that's just like, oh my goodness, here she comes again. Or you'll never guess what my mother says to me. And all those things are true. That's what happens when you have a mom who has hijackal tendencies. And remember, hijackals are those people who hijack relationships for their own purposes. They want to be right. They want to win. They want to find fault. They need power over you. And so they hijack those relationships for their own purposes. And then over and over, they scavenge them for power and status and control in every moment. Like Sometimes I'm sure you've had the experience where you and your mom were almost having a civil conversation, an interesting conversation where you got sucked into believing that she cared. And it seemed that she did. And maybe she was really trying to, but she didn't know how to do that. So quite quickly after that, she um, she turned the conversation in a direction where she could win. And that kind of thing happens. So you're asking a really important question because when you know better, you'll do better. And if you have a person, a mother uh, like you do, um, but also any person in your life who is constantly looking to have power over you, then you are going to be in a relationship deficit all the time. You're going to feel less than. You're going to feel um, put down, demeaned, degraded, discounted. You know, these are the people who will, if it's a friend, they'll make a, a date with you for lunch or something. You will confirm it. Everything will be great. And then 20 minutes before they say, Oh, you don't mind, do you? I've got to go and do this. I'll see you another day. These are things that happen when people don't value you, but they only happen because as an adult, you now enable them to happen. And i it's just a case of learning to see it differently and to try some strategies to see whether or not you can equalize the relationship sometimes it's an old habit and you can equalize the relationship sometimes if you're with a hijackal that relationship will seldom be ever equalized because the hijackal has the need to have power over and to win so very important thing to discuss and discover Um, you say that you can't stand another conversation what can i do well first do your own work You know, from listening to my shows and listening to segments on iTunes, I am always going to tell someone to do their own work first. And that's not because of any reason other than if you want things to be different, you have to know deep within you how things really are and you need help with that. It's very hard because it's an old pattern. It's been going on for a long time. You're used to it. So it's very difficult to break out of that alone. So you do need to get some help. That's a really important thing to do so that you can get a perspective. Like when I work with my clients all over the world through Zoom video, sometimes when I say to them, well, You know, tell me about this, and they tell me the story in a new way, and they go, Oh my goodness, yes, that's the way she or he has always been, and they haven't quite seen it that way. So, someone like me can ask you the questions that will help you understand what's going on. So, you say, I can't stand another conversation. What do I do? You do your own work, you get some help, you say, Wow. You know, when I really examine this, I've been putting up with this for a long, long, long time. I've had resentment for a long, long, long time. She's ground me into the dirt. She's um, always had to tell me that I'm less than or not as important or some way in order to make herself important. And I don't want that anymore. And when you do your own work, you will find out that you don't want that anymore. But in some deep way, because she's your mom, she's told you who you are all these years and you've believed it. Now you've got to get a new story. So you need that kind of help. And then once you get to do your own work and you decide what's important to you and how you feel valued and how you feel loved and notice how you don't have any trust in the relationship. Those are all terrible things to have in a primary relationship. No trust, no respect, no ability to believe in fairness or justice, Those things will never work out. And it doesn't matter that she's your mother. She shouldn't be behaving like that. That's just bad behavior. It's thoughtless behavior. It's unconscious behavior. But she doesn't know any different. Somewhere with the way she was raised, it got this way for her. She doesn't know another way. You know, that's really hard to understand. I'm not suggesting that you dismiss her behavior and just feel sorry for her. I'm just saying, understand it. She doesn't know another way and she can't hear another way and especially can't hear another way from you. But what you need to do after you get some help is to put some firm boundaries in place. If you speak to me that way, I will leave and leave. You need to be able to set some boundaries. You need to be able to clearly express what you want and what you don't want and what you'll do about it if it happens again. And then when you do that, you get to see what she does. And then my big advice to you is when you see what she does, believe her behavior. Don't make excuses for it. Don't justify it. Don't rationalize it. You know, there's a tendency to do that because you've done that since well before your brain was fully developed as a small child, and that won't help you. So get some help, set and express some strong boundaries, observe the behaviors. If things can change, they will change at that point. It won't be quick. You'll have to do it for several months. And then if that doesn't work, it's time to only see her in controlled circumstances on high days and holidays. So much to learn once you realize that you've been with a hijackal, whether that's your mother, your partner, your ex, and your co-worker, whomever it is, you need to recover from that. And I'm here to help you with it. I'm Dr. Roberta Shaler, the Relationship Help Doctor. You'll find me at 4relationshiphelp.com. Let's talk soon. And if you have a question, you can submit it at forrelationshiphelp.com slash submit. And I'll answer your question on air one day. Talk soon.
0: There you have it. If you want more, you can work with Dr. Shaler directly. She's eager to help you resolve your relationship issues. Have a question? Call in early to next week's show to talk with Dr. Shaler on air. Get her expert insights and advice by subscribing to her blog, newsletter, and YouTube channel. We're here for you. Don't be a stranger. Join us again next week. And in the meantime, visit 4relationshiphelp.com.